This is the CR Checkup Podcast. My name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with drugs, alcohol, and pride. And you're listening to a Testimony Talk. On our Testimony Talks, we get a chance to hear from someone who has taken the steps and applied them to their own life. This gives us the opportunity to see how the program works and to gain hope that we might have similar experiences. Hey everybody, welcome to our testimony talk. I have a very special guest today here, my friend Domingo. Domingo, would you introduce yourself? Hey everybody, well, my name is Domingo and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm in recovery because I'm just a product of a dysfunctional family. You see, I struggle with the people pleasing and honestly, just the fear of being liked by everybody. Hey, Domingo. Hello. Glad you're here, man. Hey, how, how have things been going in, in, in quarantine, man? We're still kind of in the midst of this uh, Corona-19 in, in 2020. How have you guys been navigating through that? You guys been hanging in there pretty well? Yeah, we, we've been hanging in there. I mean, just being honest with you, um, I've been working from home since since March. Um, I have five kids, so my kids have been actually trying to finish, finish up their schooling during the time. And then having my wife, you know, staying home has been a blessing. But it's also been, it's been interesting because I guess you could say in the beginning, it was almost like the honeymoon stage where everything was mm-hmm. going great and everything was, we were just so happy about just being home. But then we started kind of noticing, um, you know, the, the separations, the anxieties, the not having, I guess you could say, our own little space to kind of decompress. And the interesting part, what kept us all together, you know, of course, is just keeping Jesus Christ in the in the forefront, but also understanding our emotions during this time. We we're, were talking about how not only did we have to make adjustments because our routines are changing, but also our kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so just, you know, we're staying safe. We are staying healthy and and Jesus Christ loves us and we're just making sure that you know we're doing our part so he can do his part. Amen, man. That's a great perspective. Thanks for that. I uh I would agree. I think it was similar for my wife and I it was like that honeymoon stage at the beginning where it's like, "Hey, it's kind of cool. We're at home together and everything is, you know, uh, all of those different responsibilities and things all kind of boiled down a little bit and it's like, "Oh, this is really wonderful. You know, we get more time to spending the word and you know all these things and then it was like okay uh i was kind of expecting things to get back to normal now and so it's like yeah all of a sudden we have to consider all of these different things that um unfortunately we weren't considering at first because we didn't think that it was going to last as long as it has so yeah it's definitely been interesting but i'm really glad to hear that you know you guys are healthy and well and everything is it's going good it sounds like you've got a wonderful wonderful perspective about things and obviously you've got jc at the middle so you know what could go wrong yeah i mean it's the biggest thing is is talking about what's been going inside my head and just being honest and transparent with my kids i'll never forget when my teenage boy um jesse said that that the last time they saw their friends was the last day of school. Then they went on spring break and they never came back. And he was mm-hmm. like, he was like, dad, we were so excited to just count down and just go. But we would have treated that day uh, different had we known everything that would have happened. 
and that's given me goosebumps because it's yeah. um, just hearing that from him and being able to understand what he went through. It it was you know something that it's an adjustment for for everybody. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's got to be super difficult for our kids in school and everything. And yeah, my all my nieces and nephews are starting back at school right now, and it's a it's an interesting time. So I'm glad that we have each other to kind of navigate through that stuff. And I'm I'm very grateful for uh, that your kids have a dad like you that's willing to to recognize those things. So good on you, man! Congratulations for uh, being being at least willing to, to look at those things. So that's, that's really neat. Well, Hey man, um, obviously we're, we're on the, the CR uh, podcast and I'm super excited to kind of hear a little bit of your story. I've heard it a, a few times, uh, but for our listeners on here, um, I was just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit, a uh, little bit about yourself and just what brought you into the program. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I was born and raised in Orange County, California, uh, Southern Cali SoCal, I guess you guys would say. And mm -hmm. ever, since, ever since I was a kid, before I could even read and, and learn to speak English, I've been learning to navigate technology. I remember I was that, that kid that I would help out my parents hook up a VCR and I would help them understand different things that was going on. So understanding technology was something I wouldn't say came naturally, but it was just something that was exposed to me at, at an early age. When, when, it came to, when it came to having a, a faith experience, the only faith experience I really had was, I guess you could say, just being tradition. I, I, my Sunday routine was, you know, going to church, just standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. And afterwards, we would go to the swamp meet, and mm -hmm. and then afterwards, we would just come home and just and we would watch Spanish rest, uh, wrestling called uh, Lucha Libre. So, <laughs> you know, pretty much what changed for me was at the age of twelve. So, when my parents got a divorce, mm -hmm. I guess you could say is I started looking for people that looked like me and people that sounded like me, and I wasn't really seeing that on on TV. I wasn't really hearing that, I guess you could say in the school, but um, my dad would always tell me, you know, don't tell people what you're feeling because they'll keep your, your um, it's a sign of weakness and people would think less of you. So what started happening to me is I, I wanted to be liked by everybody. So I remember watching different types of movies and thinking about this is the way I, sh I should act in public. This is the stuff that, that I should do. And understanding how technology and understanding how the movies was, I struggled with that because I wanted to be comfortable, but, but I felt like I couldn't because I struggled speaking English. Um, my Spanish wasn't where it should have been. And having this voice, people wouldn't think I was tough. So in the streets, so I did stuff to, um, for the attention. I put myself in, in bad situations because I wanted to be liked by the crowd and I wanted to be accepted. But the interesting part is how in the beginning, I didn't know what was happening, but one of my biggest tools, I guess you could say learning, leveraging technology was how to have illegal house parties and how to stay under the radar in my teenage years. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be uh, a gangster because I didn't have the voice. I didn't have the look. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be a tagger because of my writing and, and honestly, because I was scared of heights. I, I wouldn't climb on the, I wouldn't climb the stairwells for the billboards. <laughs> I, 
I, I wasn't next to any railroad tracks, but promoting house parties honestly just came natural to me and mm. learn and learning how to have um uh, a three minute voicemails to talk about where the location was and what was happening on Friday was something that was exciting, but then understanding the behavior that we're doing things that we shouldn't have hanging out with the crowd that we shouldn't and really just doing stuff that we shouldn't was exciting and was enticing. And I craved for that, John, mm-hmm. I, I actually wanted it more. So then tying that into my young adulthood and going into the workplace and trying to mirror that same experience was I just always wanted to be liked by everybody. And I always felt like I had to live my life kind of wearing those masks. And the same way I would prove myself in the streets to want to be like, I did the same thing in the workplace to, to want to be like. And eventually I hit that wall after working there in, um, in retail for 13 years. My mom had just had a work-related injury, and she had fallen into now an opiate addiction. And I was looking through my lens how my mom was losing her life, and she found healing at this ministry that four months prior, before I hit my rock bottom, and this ministry was called Celebrate Recovery. And the interesting part about it is she was given a book called Your First Steps to CR mm-hmm. at her counselors by a random stranger. Wow. So, when, so when that book was given to her, four months later, you know, I hit my wall. And after working retail for about 13 years, I needed a change. And I felt like I hit that wall where I was losing my mind. So my mom told me about Celebrate Recovery. And I didn't want to hear about it. I, I just wanted her to fix me, as in either send me some money, help me pay some bills, or just get me whatever jam I was in. But when she started telling me more about this ministry, and what changed me was the care package that she sent me. It was the Life Recovery Bible your first steps to CR, and it was um, also the daily devotional. Growing up, I didn't understand what a relationship with Jesus Christ was. I thought I was being punished. But then understanding um, these short stories with these verses got me thirsty. So that's what got me my journey, because I started attending Celebrate Recovery July 11, 2014, and I haven't, gone, I haven't stopped um, going back, because it's just... Mm that thirst that I've had for, for Jesus Christ and the last six years, being honest with you is unlearning the way I was raised to learn the way I should have been raised, but it's okay. Cause everything's happening through his timing. If that makes sense. Amen. Absolutely. It makes absolute perfect sense. Yeah. I totally get you, man. And I, uh, it's really interesting what you said. I'm like sitting here almost kind of having an epiphany, which is the beautiful thing about testimonies, right? Is when, when we're willing to have an open mind, we can see ourselves and other people's stories. And you said something that was very uh, profound, I think, is that you had mentioned how um, you started looking for people like you who ha- had similar experiences like you, and you weren't finding it on TV or, or in the places that you were in. And so you went to try to find people uh, like you. And I thought that that was so interesting to me because in my way of thinking, it was always like I ended up in places where people just accepted me. I would just so happened that, you know, people were using drugs and, and doing all of these things. And I was like, wow, these people accepted me. But I'm not sure if I ever uh, realized that, 
yeah, a lot of those people were going through, their parents were going through divorces and there was other situations going on. Um, a lot of those kids that I was uh, drawn to had been burnt by the church as well. And it's so interesting. Um, and I, I'm wondering now how much of those things might have drawn me to those crowds, not so much the fact that we were we were using drugs. Like, <laughs> it was almost flip-flop. Like, I thought I was hanging out with them because they were doing drugs, and those just so happened to be coincidences. But <laughs> it kind of seems like it's the opposite, which is very interesting. Yeah, and that's what keeps me coming back because the drugs was the coping mechanisms. It was it was understanding everything that led up to it. It was understanding that, you know, why was I feeling that way? Why did I do the things that I do? And ultimately, who was I trying to prove myself? You know, why did I copy my hairstyle to the nearest person? What what, what was I trying to represent when I had a white t-shirt and, and shorts with tube socks with steel toe boots <laughs> and and my parents always kept saying pick up your pants pick up your pants <laughs> but but honestly that you know i i thought that's what life was really about so then you know understanding all that stuff and people would always tell me madden up madden up madden up because mm -hmm. because i would try even you know shedding tears and people would say no you don't do that and you know, my, my dad's name was Flacco growing up, and I just always felt that I, I never met his, his standards and I wasn't good enough. So, so for me, a lot of it is, you know, if people ask me what's my expertise or what's what I specialize, I, I say um, behavior, um, coping mechanisms, because I, I did struggle, and I still talk about self-image, self-worth, mm -hmm. daddy issues, people-pleasing, wanting to be liked because it's all tied into that mental illness, but it's also understanding how I was up against stigma. I was up against tradition. I was up against so many different ways that I was literally, I guess you could say set up to fail because mm -hmm. I would always say, um, you know, God, can you send me people? And they would send people, you know, that probably that had secular experience that people that found healing either in victory outreach and i remember them trying to talk to me and i always would always say you don't understand what i'm going through you haven't been in my right. shoes yeah no i'm right there with you man and i think yeah it's just so interesting because it makes perfect sense like i understand uh, without a shadow of a doubt that drugs were merely a symptom of a much greater disease that i was experiencing through childhood and growing up you know but uh it's i I guess I, I just hadn't fully considered how much that was a driving force in the places that I ended up, you know, it's uh, funny you had mentioned, you know, uh, you kind of went with the, the house party scene. Um, well, I kind of went with the other one that you mentioned. I kind of went with the taggers, you know, I, I, that's just kind of the, the area that I ended up in. And I think just like the, the places that you ended up, there was this sense of culture of acceptance of there's people like me who are trying to, run from the same things that I'm running from. And, you know, maybe we can, we can kind of get that sense of, of ease together in this, which of course we know only perpetuated the struggles that we were in. But yeah, it's just, I, I really, again, this is one of the things I love so much about hearing people's stories is being able to, and this is what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, is being able to have more revealed to us. There's always constantly more that I can learn about myself so that I don't continue making decisions 
that are are going to be, you know, uh, uh, feed into my dysfunctions. And so, wow, man, thanks so much for that. That's so, that's so cool. Uh, that's the other part that's really neat is you never know when somebody's going to hit you with something that just shifts your your way of thinking. So, God bless you for that. That's how God works. Amen, bro. So, okay, so you, uh, your mom got into Celebrate Recovery, she sent you a care package, got the Life Recovery Bible, and got your first steps to CR. Um, you started going to CR. Um, now, you're at Camelback Community, right? Correct. Camelback is that Community where, Church. Is that where you first started CR, or was it out in California? No, it was out it's where I started CR. So my mom used the, grow, uh, the group locator. Uh, because she's located in, in Orange County, California, just to find out the different CRs that are nearby. She called four of them, and the one, <laughs> four of them that answered, the one of them that answered was Camelback Community Church. Wow. And, and it's interesting because, um, you know, not only does, did it turn out to be a church, um, but it also turned out to be a charter school. So wow. my, kids, my kids attend school there, and the majority of their teachers are also their ministry teachers. So oh my gosh. I in the beginning of my journey, I guess you could say I started off kind of writing solo, going by myself. And it wasn't until I would say that four month, six month mark that everyone wanted to join. Everyone started seeing how much not only the healing, but the I guess you could say the new def- um confidence because of the belief and they wanted to kind of join the party and honestly we haven't looked back since then. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's unique too. You know, it's unfortunate that that's not, you know, everybody's story that like, you know, I started going to CR, you know, six months, four months later, all of a sudden my whole family's coming along with me. We see all of this life change. And so that's a really unique experience, but wow, that's, that's really powerful. I didn't, that's what we talk about at CR is that that's the possibility for all of us, you know, it's not that it's going to happen to everyone, but when, when it works, how it's supposed to work, that those are the results that we see. And that's just so amazing. So you started going to, to CR at Cattleback or uh, Camelback, and then you kept going, everybody got involved. Um, but then you kind of took on some leadership there as well too, right? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. So, you know, what, after attending CR for first four weeks, I asked, you know, my sponsor, Jeremiah, I said, what do I do next? And he was like, well, you know, now that you've been attending CR for four, four weeks and you've been attending, you know, church for four weeks, how do you feel? And I said, I feel good. He said, well, you start serving. And I'm like, okay, well, well, what do I start serving? And uh, he was the usher coordinator at the time. So I, I started just being a greeter and just learning how to say hello to people. And that even actually got me more out of my comfort zone because people would ask me, what do I do there? And then over time from greeting, I became an usher. Then over time from being an usher, I became a team lead. And then over time, I got a key to the church. And also, I guess you could say, just having access to that building. And now currently, um, I serve not only in the team lead capacity at Camelback, but if you view um, our services on Sunday, I'm one of the guys that's helping out with the broadcasting teams behind the scenes, switching camera angles, focusing the cameras, because I'm just telling you how just how God has just helped me with technology. And just it's just part of that 12-step giving back and always doing what I can for, for my community and with the church. That's so cool, man. 
So, I mean, you went all the way up the ranks, obviously, at Camelback, but then also with Celebrate Recovery, right? Yeah, so through CR. So I started, when I started going there, I started noticing that, you know, I'm going to be totally one transparent. You know, people, once again, didn't look like me or sound like me. And I felt like, you know, I've always, I always cringed to have that fatherly figure. So that's mm -hmm. where I started meeting a lot of people. But then I said, I can't be the only one that's struggling like this. I can't be the only one that's going through this. So in Celebrate Recovery, we always talk about how do we go after that newcomer. And mm -hmm. Then I started thinking, what do we have to do to do it inside the church walls and outside the church walls within the community? So just so we can honestly share the truth and love of Jesus Christ. So then after that, I started having ideas. And I remember asking first my you know, recovery pastor, hey, can we do this? What do you think? And he would say, you do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I, 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 I struggle with these conversations. And then I remember continue having ideas and then i'll never forget you know a couple of years after that uh cr as, as a state level reached out to me and asked me if i would be interested to be a, a volunteer where now instead of helping out you know just camelback now i was going to be servicing the other 50 crs that we had in the community mm. i prayed about it i said absolutely and then i became a state rep and then Becoming a state rep, I also became a social media champion, which was my biggest, I guess you could say, as being a 12-step um, a secular endorser was to really talk about everybody, talk about what I was going through and what I was experiencing. So then I became their social media champ. And then I became a team lead where I was not only helping launch new CRs within the communities, but I was bringing other people that had leadership um, qualities on board to help me because it's not about me, it's, it's about God. And by bringing other people to the table, we've been able to accomplish. And, you know, quick story that I would have is that's how I heard about the um, Palm Valley Church, mm. because I, I was doing a local event from this ministry called Redeem, where the Redeem Ministry of Tolleson, and I would say um, the, the um, Richard Mendoza mm -hmm. has has spoken so much highly of your church so it was mm -hmm. interesting that here i am doing a local event with cr partnering with another ministry and how god's tying everything back together so since then now besides with cr i help out with narcan training i'm part of the governor's faith-based community and just doing what i can to really help out everybody that you know people that are looking that people that look like me sound like me or they want to help out their parents that look like mine and sound like mine mm -hmm. all i'm trying to do is give back so good man god bless you for all that that's that's amazing man and it's it definitely is a testament to you know when you let go and let god have the reins he just takes you on a wild ride and uh just it's amazing man like the the amount of obedience and willingness to just answer that call is it's amazing, man. It's very encouraging and it's uh, inspirational for me. And I, and I'm, you know, confident that it would be the same for, for others, man. So that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing all that stuff. Um, uh, so right now at RCR, we're talking about step three, which of course, step three says that we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Uh, it sounds like something that uh, is definitely a step that you've taken. Um, yeah. Can you tell us some of your experience with that step, how it, it's affected you specifically or, or um, yeah. your thoughts on it? So 
Growing up, I struggled with learning. Hooked on phonics didn't work with me. But I'm a visual type of person, so I love cartoons. One of my favorite cartoons was Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember how the I remember how the Roadrunner would be running. I remember how the coyote would always be chasing. And every single episode that we would always see and we would have hope, but the <laughs> coyote the coyote would always uh fail. So how it was with me. So when it was humbling myself and turning everything over was probably one of the toughest decisions I ever made because I had to not only admit that stuff that was going on had happened, but I also had to admit what my part was. But at that moment I had to admit that I was going to make a decision to go forward because, Mm -hmm. you know, before and making that decision, I would tell myself tomorrow's going to get better. I'm going to do it this day. I'm going to do it that day. But those days never existed um, in the week. So it wasn't until, you know, Jesus grabbed my attention and he was like, are are you ready? That I just felt this spirit. And I've continued to feel this spirit where I write it down in my journal. I get these chills. Mm -hmm. And and it's just, it's something that I haven't experienced. And besides the highness that I had by following Jesus Christ, that's why I just, Making that decision was the hardest, but the freedom and the acceptance from Jesus from that was the boldest because I had to make that decision in front of everybody. And I had to kind of pick up my cross and keep moving forward and and haven't looked back since then. Yeah. Wow. So good, man. I, I just love hearing stories like that, especially uh, one of the things we're talking about, you know, it's like, it should be a big decision, right? Like step three shouldn't be that thing like, oh yeah, I did that when I was six years old and <laughs> I, all right, let's go step forward. It's like, no, man, you really want to be very confident in step three before you move on to something like step four, because step four is, that's a big deal. And you got to have that foundation. Otherwise, step four is just going to really break you. And so um, yeah, no, man, it's super evident in your life, you know, that you've, you've surrendered to him and, and it's so cool. I love getting to have brothers like you knowing that we've got some good guys out there fighting the same fight, man. It, it makes, it's a relief, you know, to know that we're, we're not doing it alone. And so, yeah, thanks, man. One last thing before, uh, we wrap up here, um, just kind of, what would you tell the newcomer or even better yet, somebody who is just listening, they've never been to CR. Uh, and they're thinking, you know, is CR, could CR be for me? What would you tell those people? Before CR, I used to say, let your conscience be your guide, because I was raised with Disney. And by <laughs> believing that, got me so much in trouble. And what happened with that CR, I learned who Jesus Christ was. I learned that I wasn't being punished for my sins. I learned that he had a plan for me. But before I learned about Jesus Christ, I learned that sin had no discrimination. And once I started learning about what my hurts, hangups, and habits were, and realizing that how becoming a workaholic could be someone that struggled with daddy issues, because I struggled with self-worth, because I struggled with porn, because I thought everything was in my head, because I thought I didn't belong anywhere that I honestly masked everything that to the point that I thought that I couldn't live anymore to the point that I thought that no one else accepted, accepted me or, and I thought I was losing my mind. 
And the biggest hope that I can give everybody is what my dad told me that that's true. <laughs> what, <laughs> what my dad told me um, about keeping my mouth shut and letting it out was, was a lie. Because at Celebrate Recovery, I've realized that Philippians 4.13, what it meant is I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. It means if I'm having a good day, it's because Christ has strengthened me. If I'm having a bad day, it's okay because God is still <laughs> strengthening me. Mm-hmm. And the, and the people, plur- um, people pleaser that I always quote versus the one that says, realize if God hates you, it hated me before you. Mm-hmm. And it helps me to realize, honestly, that I wasn't alone. And God's raising a crop of hope dealers out there and learning how to step out of my comfort zone has been one of the most rewarding. So if this could happen to me, I'm sure this could happen to you. Because if God could understand someone that struggled with reading and writing and, see, um, and seizures up to the age of 16, because I had asthma and I spoke Cholo and Spanglish, then just imagine the people that you can reach once you humble yourself, pick up your cross, and admit that Jesus Christ is alive and real. Mm. There it is. That's so good, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. I love you, man. God bless you and all that you're doing. Keep staying with it, man. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to the day that we can be together in the same room and and, uh, uh, praise God together. Amen. Thank you for having me and just thank you for letting to share a little bit about what I've been through and you know this is amazing how God's on the move and you know how we can help out everybody including through technology thank you Jesus Amen alright brother we'll talk to you soon perfect alright bye bye thank you for listening to a testimony talk I hope that you take what we talk about here and have conversations with others The things that we talk about on here are meant to start conversations, not end them. So I pray that you would talk with someone about what you heard here today and that you would look for ways to be a light in your own community. If you are struggling to find community and people to talk with, then please send an email to recovery at palmvalley.org and I will personally get you connected with a volunteer from Celebrate Recovery. Nothing changes the fact that we need each other, even if that means that we have to find new and creative ways to do so. You can also send me encouraging messages, comments, or concerns to that same email, recovery at palmvalley.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please share it with someone else. I love you all, and I hope to see you soon.